Bulls Gold is delivered to you via the Barroom Network, now in its seventh year of providing podcasts about Chicago sports, movies, and more. Make sure to subscribe to the Barroom Network for free and easy downloads of its programming. And visit its merchandising store at deepdishtees.com to purchase t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs. Now, on with the show. Shooter joined as always by Salim Sudawala. Salim, how are you doing today? Hey, and I'm doing great. Uh, great start to the weekend. We are creeping up slowly but surely to the Bulls' first preseason game. I think I, I tweeted the other day because it just had like hit me. I was like, hmm. It's like, oh, it's September 16th. Oh, crap. The Bulls play October 4th. Uh, media Day is probably going to be like the last week of September and it's yeah this you know we, we felt like it's going to be a long off season but like already it's it's almost time it's almost game time so um, yeah, we, you know just we excited about of, that we got out of the slow off season story part of the summer where you get like a random story every like two or three weeks about something that's going on and I think we're seeing well, – we're starting to see a little bit more of the workout stuff. So, players are getting in shape, and we're going to see media day very soon. And, yeah, before you know it, it's going to be preseason basketball. So, this is really the last month where we won't have some game to talk about. Yeah. You know, it's funny, like, random. Like, oh, yeah, I know we, we got all excited about Pat Williams' offseason stuff. But now some of this stuff is getting kind of ridiculous because they're just showing random guy just shooting in the gym is like grinding. He's like, yeah, you're just taking shots in the gym. This is why are you why are you posted this on social media and acting like this is something like out of the norm? It's like, yeah, he's just he's just yeah, he's working out. He's just like there was like an Alex Caruso one where it's like Alex Caruso hard at work and he's just like getting up shots. It's like. Okay. That's where we're at, I guess. <laughs> is Patrick Williams too taller now too? Is he six is he six foot ten? I hope so. I hope he is. <laughs> is he, he needs taller to be. than Luol Deng? <laughs> Hopefully. That uh, taller than Luol Deng and then taller than uh oh, like there's gonna be a picture. Yeah, he's gonna be a picture of him standing next to Vooch and and he's gonna look taller than Vooch too now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, gotta love the all season stories. But yeah, uh, we got a lot to get into today. We're gonna we're gonna rank the Eastern Conference uh in today's episode, especially after the Donovan Mitchell trade. It seems like a lot of Bulls fans were approaching the edge uh, after that move was made and wondering if the Bulls were now a playing team and do they have a chance to like even be a legitimate playoff team this year? So a, a lot of concern because the team has not made at least significant improvements of a roster while the East looks like it's going to be a bloodbath this year. I mean, there could be one pretty decent team in the East that just doesn't make the 
the playoffs altogether, at least a few. So we're going to we're going to get into that. We're going to talk about uh, Ayo Desunwu as well. And uh, we have joining us uh, for his first appearance on Bulls Gold. He is from Bulls Central, uh, Jamal. Jamal, thank you for joining us on this episode, man. Glad to have you here. Yeah, happy to be here, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, for sure. You're we're going to get into it, but, you know, I've been a big fan of your channel and the, your content and and uh, the ideas that you come up with to keep keep things fresh and uh, <laughs> and how you are able to like able to do it within this solid time frame. It's really cool. And it's it's really it's been amazing to see for sure. So we're glad, glad to have you on. Yeah, let's really appreciate it. Let's get into that first before we uh like move into all of the bull stuff. So like what was like your general inspiration behind you know starting Bull Central and the ideas that you've got for it? Like take us through all of that. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I I've I've told this story before. Um and it's it's odd because <laughs> I think she re- she regrets it now, but it was actually my wife who suggested that I <laughs> that I do something like this. I mean, it was probably about five or six years ago or so. We've been married for about nine years, and she's always known me. I mean, that's my identity, right? Just being a diehard Bulls fan, and so she's always known that about me. And she's based on you know things that I say, things that I talk about, and she's like, "You really know your stuff. You should you know create a podcast or a YouTube channel of some kind." And I was like, "I'm not gonna do that. I don't have time to do that. Who's gonna want to listen to some random dude, you know, talk about Bulls basketball online?" <laughs> and so I, I always just put it off. And then when the pandemic happened, uh, I was afforded you know more time. I didn't have to go into the office as much. So I was given more flexibility in terms of how I could, you know, utilize my time and work on things. And so I decided to start it just to see how things would, would shake out. And, uh, yeah, sure enough. Uh, now I'm like all about it. And now she's kind of like, Oh, you're working on the channel again. You know, we got, <laughs> we got, we got t- kids we got to take care of. So I try to balance it as much as I can, but yeah, I mean, that was really, I mean, the inspiration was more of, uh, not boredom per se, but more of, uh, I don't have a lot going on during the pandemic. How can I make myself a little more useful and do something that I actually really love and enjoy? And I've always loved talking about basketball, specifically Bulls basketball. And that's where I, that's kind of how I started the whole journey. Really. Do you have a background in like, uh, like graphic design or video, uh, uh, production because like your production is really good. Like it's like, you wouldn't think like it, it looks like uh, like professionally done in a sense. And not to say that like insult you in any way, no, no. But it just like to, to, to it just looks like really like high, like really good quality. And it's I'm just curious like do you have like a background in that or just something you just kind of taught yourself and just worked it out. No, no, no background in that. I mean, I um I actually work in finance. Um, oh, okay. In, 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 uh, for a tech company here in the Bay area. So no, I don't have any background in that. Honestly, it's, you know, it's, I have a lot of people, you know, people DM me asking me, you know, Hey, how, you know, I'm thinking about starting a channel myself, you know, how have you gone about doing stuff like this? It's actually really easy. I just found a, you know, video editing software, uh, a free tool. They have, you know, ones that you can pay that are, you know, a bit more that you can upgrade for, but, um, it's actually, you know, once you kind of get the hang of it, I think the first few videos that I did, it took me a while because you kind of have to figure out the ins and outs of where you want to clip things, how you Mm want to piece it all together. But now that I'm familiar with it, it's just a plug and play type of thing. And, And the, and the dialogue, I mean, 
when you know something really well, I know the subject matter really well when it comes to Bulls basketball, that it just comes more naturally. It was the video editing part that took me a little bit to kind of figure out. And I've just sort of gotten used to it. Definitely. Definitely. So do you like also like obviously the subject matter and, and like Ed and I kind of, obviously we, we have the same um, type of process because like obviously it's the Bulls. So we know like, what to talk about and where, what thoughts we have on the bulls. But do you do a good job of like preparing like notes and things like that as well? Like, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I definitely have notes. It's like, uh, what, you know, one of those things, (laughs) one person that I really respect the work that he does because he does it so well. And I feel that he just speaks so naturally to it is, uh, Kenny Beecham from uh, King, King of the fourth quarter. I mean, he's, it's not scripted. Mm-hmm. He's just talking off of, you know, whatever's coming to his mind. I can't do that. I mean, I can to an yeah. extent, but yeah. I have to have, so every video that I'm doing, I have like bullet points of like making sure that I don't forget to talk about a given thing. Um, otherwise I'll just like, Oh, I forgot to talk about that. I've done a few of them. Like when I want to get like content out really quickly, like a lot of times when the bulls sign like a free agent, I want to mm-hmm. get something out super fast because mm-hmm. I know that breaking news, people are going to want to look at it right away. I'll just speak to it. Um, but outside of that, I always have to like type up some notes, have some bullet points that I want to speak to. And when, when going through a video. Cool. Cool. Yeah, absolutely, man. So we usually do this like at the end, but can you just plug like where you are on a, on social media for our listeners so they can follow you on YouTube and Twitter so they can see all your work. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, YouTube just bull central. That's the channel name. My, uh, my Twitter account is bull central YT. Um, I also have Instagram, but I'm not really posting on there that often. Uh, it's, it's bull central official. Um, yeah, I, I need to start getting more active on that. The problem for me is just time, right? It's like all of my energy and effort is focused on the channel. So I'm not as active on social media. I've got two kids now, so I'm trying to balance that. I still got a full-time job. So doing all, everything uh, can make it challenging. And I'm like, oh yeah, I do have an Instagram account, but I don't really, I don't really post on it that often. Yeah. Um, congrats on, uh, cause I know you, I remember, cause so you were on um, ball, like, it was like a cup was a year ago. I can't remember. It was a while ago. Cause I listened to, I listened to Dave and C dub often. Uh-huh. And I remember you had just had a kid at that time. So you have two kids now. So congrats. Uh, congratulations. Man. Sure. Yeah, no, thanks man. Yeah. I've got, yeah, yeah. I've got a girl that's about to be four years old and then I've got one that's five months. So right in the nice. thick of it. <laughs> nice. Nice. So you're, yeah, you're, you're deep into it and, and you, I'm sure you already have, the bulls propaganda for all. For oh, I've got them, it. You know, get them into the they're, they're already wearing it and all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. That's that, awesome. You know, they were born in the Bay area. They live in the Bay area. They're, they're going to be bulls fans. No, no warriors sure. fans in my house. <laughs> for sure. For sure. So how, how did you become a bulls fan? Like, are you from Chicago originally or like, did you have like family members that are yeah. bulls fans? Originally, yeah, and I, and I still have family all th- you know throughout the Chicago area. Um, I moved out to the Bay Area about eleven years ago or so for for work. Okay, um, and that's where I met my wife, and we had our two kids. So I've just been here ever since. But how I became a Bulls fan, um, I and I, and I 
I always date myself with these types of things, but I, uh, the very first memory I have of watching Bulls basketball was the 92 finals against the Blazers. Uh Um, I was six years old and my, you know, my dad was into it. Um, and so I just watched it with him, uh, watching him, uh, watch basketball because you, you saw, you know, like the cartoons of, kids playing basketball and it's like, Oh, these are real people. So this is an actual sport that real people play. Um, so I immediately got into it. And of course I was into the bulls just because of Michael Jordan and watching his, you know, mesmerizing plays and the, the shrug game and everything that he was doing. I was like, this guy is really good. Uh, and, um, I vividly remember John Paxson throwing the ball up into the air when they won that championship and they stormed the court. And I remember thinking, Oh, this is different because when they, when they were winning the games before, you know, they were excited, but there's something different about this. And so I asked my dad, he's like, Oh, they, that was the last game. They, they just won the championship. Like they're, they're, they're the best team in the, in the league. And, um, from that point on, I, I just, I love the team. I stayed with the team even through the down years after Jordan retired. And, um, yeah, I fell out of it for a little bit. Uh, I think after they traded away Elton brand, um, I was just fed up with everything. And I was, you know, I was in high school at the time. So it was like, I had other things going on, you know, distractions, you know, girls, all that kind of stuff. So I wasn't as focused. I still followed the team, but not as closely as I did before. And then I got back into it after I graduated high school. Um, yeah. So that's, that's really how I became a Bulls fan was just, you know, growing up watching Michael Jordan, that was really a part of my childhood and it just stuck with me. Yeah. It's funny. You mentioned that. I think that Blazer series, Oh, like when I first, so I, I, I came to the U S when I was five with, uh, with my family and my cousin, um, my older cousin, he's about like seven ish years older than me, six, seven years older than me. And uh, he was a huge Bulls fan. So I kind of started liking the Bulls because of him. And um, I'm, I think I'm like, a, like two years older than you because I was, I was about eight when the Blazers were in the finals. Oh, okay. But I, I, I vaguely remember the Lakers series. And I remember watching that with him and, you know, rooting for the Bulls. And then I got into it about when really got into it with the, when that the Blazers series as well, like that second uh, championship season mm-hmm. was when I really started becoming a fan and just really getting hardcore into it. And I never stopped. Like I, I was, <laughs> they were like terrible, terrible teams during those uh, post dynasty years when they would, I, I, I had like high hopes for guys like Trenton Hassel, like, Oh, <laughs> Trenton Hassel, he's gonna, he's gonna do it. He's gonna be a, he's gonna be a star. I was just like, yeah. wow, or like Eddie Curry guys, or Tyson know? Chandler, you know? Yeah. I was the baby bulls era, man. All these, yeah. these guys, I, I was sold on the, on the, the, you know, reincarnation of baby Shaq and uh, Kevin <laughs> Garnett. We're gonna, uh, Tyson's gonna be the kitten new KG. And, you know, we just, I just, I was foolish enough to believe it at the time I was, I I was just in high school and I had nothing better to do. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't very uh, popular back in high school. So like, (laughs) Hey, the bulls, uh, the bulls still uh, are my passion. (laughs) Yeah. I I always say that it's almost like most bulls fans probably took a little bit of a break post dynasty at some point. Like it was like after the Elton brand trade or like somewhere around like that 2002, 2003, like oh one, I don't know, like somewhere around that. That's when I, that's when I took a little bit of a break. Like I would follow the team casually. Like I'd look at box scores. I would check 
the news, but like I wasn't like seriously watching games until maybe yeah. like maybe like late oh three and then oh four happened and you know that that was interesting. So like things started to actually when Paxton took over, things actually started to get really interesting. And it's it's kind of funny we joke about it all the time though, but like there was a long period as a Bulls fan where John Paxson was actually really adored and we kind of forget that. No, he was, he was for yeah. sure. Yeah. Because he, he really brought the team back to life. Right. I mean, it, it, based on everything that Krause did post dynasty and, you know, Krause, obviously a lot of people really disliked him for a number of reasons. And then yeah, Paxson came in and actually like brought, got us back to the playoffs and everything. And then, and then now, you know, later on down the, down the years, you know, when you added Gar Foreman and everything, then, then things started changing a bit, but you're right. Right. We do kind of forget that he was sort of beloved by a lot of bulls fans because he sort of reinvigorated the, the Chicago bulls franchise and, and bringing us back to life from where we were. Yeah. yeah my, my theory of Paxton always was, he just got tired of doing the job. So like, that's why he didn't put like as much into it anymore. Yeah. And he just, and the game just kind of, pass him by in a sense of as far as the type of players that you need to focus on getting. And cause the modern game, I don't think he just, he just didn't get it. I don't think yeah. um, that's he, why you saw him, the type of players he would go after. Yeah. Remember though, like he, uh, like he originally, he was planning to step down like around, was it right. like 08, 09, he was going to step down and he got promoted. Right. Well, it was because he was choking out Benny Del Negro. I mean, he didn't choke him out, but he, like, got physical. Yeah, uh, yeah, they got in, like, an altercation, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. altercation. He grabbed his tie, and then he was going to step down after that. But then, yeah, they put Gar Foreman. And then, obviously, ever since then, things got progressively worse. Um, Obviously, this guy actually ridiculously lucky with Derrick Rose because if that that doesn't happen, who knows what the – Bulls would have looked like, you know, they probably would have been just like this, this muddling team um, that does not, uh, doesn't, isn't going anywhere anytime yeah, we, soon. But we would have drafted, yeah. uh, we would have drafted Brooke, uh, Brooke Lopez or DJ Augustine and, uh, right. <laughs> and gotten worse. But, you know, we have a, we have a pretty solid squad that we've been rooting for since last season with all of the changes from, uh, AK and Eversley and you know even the last season didn't end as we thought it could have uh it, it was still a really fun season but this offseason has still been a little bit of a left a little bit of a sour taste in people's mouths we've had some I think like Drummond and Drogic are decent additions but I think we all we're thinking they would do more. So like we said at the top of a show, other teams in the Eastern Conference have improved, especially now with Donovan Mitchell going to Cleveland to uh, go there to play with uh, Darius Garland and Jared Allen and Evan Mobley and a girl. So they have a nice young squad. So we're looking at the Eastern Conference now after the Bulls uh, finished six seed last year. So, Jamal, like if we're if we're ranking the Eastern Conference right now, which teams do you think for sure, like just without a doubt, barring of course injury or some sort of crazy suspension, for sure are better than the Bulls today? Naming all the teams, yeah, yeah. Let's. Okay. I mean, well, let me let me start by saying this because I actually may, I actually put out a video on this. Um, I think it was actually yesterday 
the the Bulls have such a big question mark you know, as it relates to their team that it's really hard to say which teams are better than the Bulls and which teams aren't. And what I mean by that is you really have to assess how the team is going to do based on if they're going to be healthy, are they actually going to be healthy? Is DeMar DeRozan going to be able to repeat what he did last year? Zach Levine, is he going to be able to actually show us that he was the all-star that we saw at the beginning of the season versus the back half of the season? And then Io making a leap, Patrick Williams making a leap, like all those things kind of have to go right. If those things go right, I actually think they're one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. The question is, are those things going to go right? Are we going to have Lonzo Ball be healthy? Can we actually expect Patrick Williams to make that big leap? Can we actually expect Io DeSumo to, you know, build upon what he did last year? DeMar DeRozan, he's going to be 33. Is he still going to at least be 90% or so of what we saw last season? Um, I think those are that those are the biggest question marks. So I, I always have a lot of people ask me, like, where do you kind of rank the Bulls in the East based on all the other moves that were made throughout the Eastern Conference? It's so hard to say because I don't really know what team to expect at this point. There's a lot of uncertainty as it relates to Alonzo Ball and uh, everything else going on. So I guess to answer your question in short, based on what we know right now, I'm going to assume health is not a concern, which obviously we know it is. But let's assume that Alonzo yeah. Ball is going to be ready and he's going to be available to start the season. Um, I think that, you know, obviously the the Bucks, Celtics, Sixers, Heat, I really do think those four teams are probably still better than the Bulls. Uh, doesn't mean that they're going to finish higher than them in the standings because crazy things have happened. But I think that the Bulls are in that five and six spot, you know, between um, I think the, the Hawks. Yes, they added DeJounte Murray, which is a huge pickup. You're getting an all-star um, pairing him alongside another all-star and Trey Young. I think that it's going to take them a little bit to kind of figure out how that's going to work chemistry wise. So I don't know that I would say like, Oh, they're for sure better than the bulls. Um, the Cavs. a lot of people are talking about, you know, oh, Donovan Mitchell, that puts the Cavs in another tier. Sure. It puts them in another tier. I still have some questions as to like how that's actually going to fit. Um, I think they're going to be really good because they're very young and very talented, but young and talented, doesn't help you in deep playoff runs because you need that sort of like veteran experience. Right. Um, and then the Raptors, right. That's also just another team that's feisty and they're always, uh, you know, outperforming expectations that everyone had of them. So I think, uh, in that five or six spot is where I would put the bulls. Um, but again, so many different things can happen as it relates to how the season is going to transpire. I really hope Lonzo ball is going to be healthy because that's going to be key to how the bulls perform. But, that's kind of where I have the bulls right now, based on based on what we know today. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I kind of have it broken down to tiers. So, like for me, the tier one is Bucks, Sixers, and Celtics. Like those teams, I think are just above the rest. Um, like I, I don't think, like as far as I, I don't think they have a lot to, um, as far as what ifs for those teams. They're not a lot of what ifs for those teams. Um, then I have the heat Cavs, and nets in tier two. Um, mm. And the reason I have like teams like nets and, and the heat in tier two, because I think there are some what ifs for them, because like mm. you look at the heat, they, they lots of big piece into PJ uh, Tucker. Uh, they're going to get older. Like they're, they're, they're best player. Someone outside of a BAM, uh, like you have Jimmy who's getting a year older. He's getting, you know, it's like, what are you going to be like 33, 34? 33, yeah. Um, he is, I think, 33 right now. 
And then uh, Lowry looked looks awful to finish his season <laughs> last year. And he's, what, like 38, 37 um, mm-hmm. going into this season. Is he going to be healthy? That's another big question mark. Nets, like, we know the circuits around the Nets. Like, is KD going to be all focused in now? Uh, yeah. What's going on with Kyrie? He's hearing, like, Infowar videos. <laughs> I mean, he's he's still in his in his Kyrie world, um, doing all this crazy stuff. Is he going to be ready to go? I don't know. Um, and then I have teams like the Hawks, Raptors, and the Bulls in Tier Three, and like you can argue to a point that the teams in Tier Two and Three, if however order those teams end up in, it wouldn't surprise anyone. Um, like obviously the Cavs with Donovan Mitchell addition, they do have probably the higher upside in a sense um, outside of like the Nets because of like people always talk about when the Bulls were healthy, they were the first seed. Like when the Cavs were healthy, they were the first seed. And yeah, they were up there too. Top, yeah. top three. Yeah. And that top three. And when you look at what they traded for Donovan Mitchell, I think, um, outside of like Lowry, they didn't trade a like a big rotation player. Like they upgraded yeah. heavily with Donovan Mitchell. Um, and obviously you can talk about Garland and Donovan Mitchell backcourt as a defensive issue, but then you you put in factor with Mobley, Jared Allen, and Okora up front. I think they can kind of figure out the defensive issues as a team because you have three really good to great defensive players uh, mixed in with them. So like the Cavs, I know they worry me. And like I said, you know, just looking at the East and uh, the way Ed's, Ed put it too, it's just kind of like, man, the, the Bulls could be a playing team, but like the way you said too, if Io or Pat figure things out, um, you know, if, if we get some luck with health, uh, we could also be in that, five six spot and I'll again look as dangerous as they did the beginning of last season yeah I think both of you guys are pretty spot on when I look at the east and I just look at the standings from last season and I look at the teams that finished below the Bulls really only Brooklyn and Cleveland are the teams that I think can definitely flip that and Toronto, I think, is there. I mean, they finished above us, but it, it wasn't by much, like two games. So I, I think the Bulls are kind of in that like third tier. Like, I think Salim is kind of right when, you, when you're talking about like tiers, like they're kind of in that like Toronto type of tier. I think a team that could win like 44, 48, like 44, 46 games. I don't know, something like that. Like, I think that's pretty spot on. So it wouldn't surprise me if they finished with the seventh seed. Um, but it, it's just the East is going to be such a bloodbath this year. Like you're looking at teams like Atlanta, Charlotte, who I think is like Charlotte won 43 games last year. Like, yeah. And I mean, the Knicks aren't great, but like, I don't think the Knicks got worse this year. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and people forget also the Knicks the year prior, right? And they were the four seed. I mean, a lot of you know, different circumstances, but yeah, I mean, you can't rule them out. The other team I'll say you can't rule out is the Wizards. They missed Bradley Beal for a good portion of the season before he got injured. They were actually yeah. one of the one of the higher teams in the Eastern Conference. But yeah, yeah like you said, it, it this is by far the most competitive the East has been 
in a long, like I can't even remember decades. It's always been the weaker conference, but this year it's going to be, it's going to be good. Yeah. There's really only like, there's really only what, like two or three teams in the East that are like really rebuilding. But even then, like Detroit got better. Uh, Orlando got better. Uh-huh. Yeah, some of these young teams that like they added some nice young talent, and they granted they probably won't win a lot of games, but they're not going to be like a team that like hey, this is this is a night off, you know? Yeah, it's, they're going to be like fighting you to uh, every game. Like yeah. if you if you're not if you're not there to ready to play, they'll steal a game. I wouldn't want to see Orlando or Detroit on the back end of a back-to-back after playing a really good team. Like, that's yeah. a nice game. Or just a random game against, like, Orlando on a Tuesday night. <laughs> like, I, I just... Right. Really, you're going to... Trap, trap game. Yeah. Trap game, yeah, for sure. Because, like Salim said, those are young teams that they're just playing with house money. And you're an older team that, you know, could be, you know, coming off a little tough stretch or you could be playing like a... You could have just played like a really emotional like rivalry driven game and then you have to face this young team who you don't really look at them any sort of way and that's that's where you kind of get trapped so uh yeah this is the most competitive the east has looked in a while so the bulls range of outcomes really are anywhere from five to like nine i think i I don't know like i i guess i don't really see them at 10 but i mean who really knows so i I think that kind of brings us back to to this when we talk about the continuity plan that AK and Eversley have seeming, seemingly gone with for this season. Um, and it, it's drawn a lot of different discussions among Bulls fans to figure out what the team, like could the team have done something differently? And I think a lot of people say yes, but it's also the confinement of this is driven by what ownership wanted to do because there's still a lot of the MLE left. And mm-hmm. that has like tax ramifications, obviously. So they had to work with what they, you know, work with what they could have done. So Jamal, what do you think of this continuity plan? And do you think that ultimately this is something that could really hurt the Bulls this season that they just didn't do enough in an Eastern conference that is kind of loaded now? Well, I don't, I don't mind the continuity plan concept because, you know, if you look at, other teams across the, not even just across the East, uh, the history of the NBA continuity is important. Keeping a core of players together for a longer period of time translates to more sustained success. So I don't mind the, the, the plan or the, you know, the strategy that they're trying to, you know, emphasize around keeping this crew because this was really only their first year together. Um, you know, they had injuries, so that, that didn't really help. And, and, and trying to assess, is this crew going to be able to actually come out the way that they did because they look so good at the beginning of the season. So I think I get why they're focusing on that. Mm-hmm. My only concern is what if they're not able to have the continuity because guys are injured, right? Lonzo ball is not able to play or, you know, DeMar DeRozan, Vucevic, they're getting older. And as a result, they start potentially declining, right? Then you haven't done anything. And now you've positioned yourself in the Eastern conference where you're kind of in that middle zone, which everyone always talks about how like basketball hell, right? Cause then you don't, you're not able to get a high lottery pick because you're right on that cusp of a playoff team. And now DeMar and Vooch are getting older. Lonzo ball is health is still uncertain. Like 
that a lot of things could backfire with that plan. I don't, I, I, I have higher hopes than maybe some Bulls fans. I think that it will actually work out. I think a lot of it is going to depend on Lonzo's health. Um, you know, with Vucevic and DeMar and them aging, I mean, obviously that's going to have to be figured out, but I think if you're able to like establish a culture and identity early on, then that's, that's a good thing. I do think though, there is some masking of, they probably wanted to do more and they weren't able to get it done in free agency. So they're kind of using this as like, well, we were always focused on continuity. So we're not really that concerned about it because I do think that, you know, based on some of the players that we saw and where they went, a guy like Hartenstein, Mo Bamba, who I know ended up getting more than the Bulls would have been able to offer him with a mid-level exception, but there were rumors that he wanted to go to Chicago. So it's possible maybe he would have taken less, but they didn't want to use the whole mid-level exception. So I think things could have been done to make the team actually better. And um, when it didn't go that way and other players started getting signed and everyone was going to all these other teams, and then we had to maybe scramble and get Andre Drummond and then get Drogic and all that stuff. Then it was like, Oh, well, we really wanted to focus on continuity. We just need to improve upon the margins and get these, you know, these players that we think are going to help us coming off of the bench. I don't know that obviously, but that's sort of my, my, my take on it. But my hope is that the continuity factor will work because that's kind of all we have right now. Cause if it doesn't work, we're in a bad spot um, because we're going to be sort of at that, you know, level of mediocrity where we're, we're going to be too good to actually, you know, get a high lottery pick, but not good enough to actually, you know, exceed beyond the first round. Yeah. I think maybe the question isn't, is the continuity plan good? It's more so is the in- incremental depth that they added enough. Um, that's probably the better question. Um, like you, I mean, Drummond is going to be a, I've been, I've been saying I think Drummond's going to be what we needed Tristan Thompson to be. Like yeah. that ended up being a, a major fail, the Tristan Thompson signing <laughs> at, at the trade deadline. And like Goran Dragic has been very like up and down. And I think the general consensus seems to be that he is pretty much close to being done. But um, I mean, and then obviously they've promised the minutes and we'll get into the, the, the log jam in the backcourt. But he, I feel like he should be better than, Matt Thompson. Um, Thomas, yeah. Thomas, sorry. I, yeah. I feel like he should be better than Matt Thomas. Uh, I feel like he should give us more productive minutes than Matt Thomas. But like I said, it's about how many minutes he ends up getting. But yeah, it's like I said, it's just about the in- incremental depth that they've added. And it's like, well, if those injuries happen, is that going to be enough to you know, kind of uh, yeah. work out the rest of the issues for the roster? Yeah. I mean, uh, he'll, he'll certainly be better than Matt Thomas. Right. There's no question about it. as much as big Dave might disagree. The, <laughs> right. the, he'll man. be better than Matt Thomas. I mean, I, come after us, man. Come on, man. <laughs> the, I don't know if you guys have been watching uh, Goran Dragic in Eurobasket, but he's been playing yeah. pretty well yeah. for a 36 year old player. Granted, it's not NBA level competition. I know right. that, but he, he's looked decent. I, I think he, he will be a serviceable backup and a good option in the event that Lonzo Ball, you know, is not able to play or he has to, you know, he's on a minutes restriction, whatever. I, I think that could potentially work. But as far as like your question, is the incremental depth enough? Probably not. Um, they're kind of really relying on that starting five. They're really relying on Patrick Williams to, to make that year three leap. So uh, it's, yeah, I would say that, it, that it's not. But by the time they started signing, you know, Drama and Drogic, uh, a lot of other free agents had already been signed to other teams. So right, that right. was all they had left. Right. The the other uh, 
person that player that kind of maybe I don't know if maybe been overlooking or maybe I have and I just haven't really seen a lot of conversation around him is Io Dosumu. Um, obviously, everyone's been so focused on Patrick Williams, the offseason he's had, obviously going to like DeMar boot camp, going and working out with Paul George and just kind of grinding his way and trying to figure out how to, you know, uh, you know, improve his game. And Ayo here, you know, we've seen a couple of things like like pictures of him, uh, you know, lifting weights and we've seen like a random clip of him in the gym, but for the most part, it's been a, it's kind of been a quiet, a quiet around him. Not that he's had a quiet off season, but just quiet around him and not a lot mm-hmm. of conversation about, wow. I mean, what if IO is the guy that really breaks out? Like, and not only breaks up, but is his potential. Are we underrating his potential as what he could end up being on this Bulls team. Like, is he going to end up being like the guy that really we look at as like, oh man, I'm so glad we have Io because he's the one that's going to really raise the ceiling for this Bulls squad. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Like as far as what Io can be and just that the, the general conversation around him. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we're necessarily overlooking or, you know, not looking at his potential overall. I, I will agree that, so much focus is being placed on Patrick Williams and not enough on IO in, in regards to that. But I mean, if anything, I think Bulls fans are starting to maybe focus um, on his potential too much and saying like, wow, he really exceeded what he were expecting of him in his rookie season. And that's not really to say, Oh, we're overrating IO because I love IO in his game. I love that. He's a hustler. He steps up when the Bulls need him, does his job plays with such maturity for how young he is. Like when do you ever see a rookie, having the awareness to calm down, you know, veterans in crucial moments in the final seconds of the game. Right. So they don't get a technical, like we saw him do with DeMar DeRozan. He's calm and collected under pressure. He still has a lot to learn. Don't get me wrong. A lot of development, mm-hmm. you know, still needs to be done, especially on the offensive end. It's got to improve his shooting, but no, I don't think that we're overlooking his potential. I think we see the potential and we see the upside uh, and it's okay to be excited about it because I could turn into a very special player and, you know, you were able to get a second round pick out of him, which is great. Right. What I will say though, is I do think that again, there's not enough emphasis being placed on IO and what kind of jump he could make going into his second season and how critical that will be for the bulls. Like everyone, like I said, is talking about Patrick Williams, how the bulls are relying on him to make that leap from year two to year three, rightfully so. Uh, it's like, you know, that is going to be very important, but IO, um, you know, is being overlooked in that regard as it relates to this upcoming season and how critical it's going to be for the bull success. But as far as like his potential long-term, I actually think a lot of people are valuing his potential fairly and, and talking about it a fair amount. Fair. Yeah. I think that's a pretty fair opinion. Uh, let me, I want to circle back to Patrick Williams though. He is the biggest wild card on this team in terms of, looking at a scenario where the Bulls ceiling is a lot higher than expected uh, for this season and long-term. Mm-hmm. Uh, how likely do you think it is that he does have a breakout this season? I, I mean, I would say it's really hard to answer. Uh, I wouldn't say that it's unlikely, but I do think that because of the role that Patrick has been put in, based on how different it was when he was drafted, right? He was drafted for all intents and purposes to a rebuilding team. Things completely shifted. And now you've got Vucevic, you got DeRozan, now Lonzo Ball. I mean, he's really sort of that fifth option, if you will, even, even if that. He is a little more, 
I don't want to say timid, but he, you can tell he wants to defer to some of the other veteran players. A lot of it is going to depend on how he feels confident in himself going into this season and saying, you know, I don't care if these guys have been around for years. I don't care if they're the main offensive engines. I'm going to start stepping up more. I'm going to, you know, handle the ball more. I'm going to be more aggressive in getting to the basket, taking more jump shots. I can see Patrick getting there. I just don't know if it's still a little too early. The other thing is he's going to have a lot of pressure on him. I think he knows that. And um, that might get to his head a little bit, knowing that, Hey, I wasn't around last year, which wasn't his fault, right? He got injured. There's nothing you can do about that. I really need to show because this team is really going to need me, especially given the fact that we didn't really make a lot of moves in free agency and the front office is relying on continuity, which he's a piece of that. Um, So I don't, uh, to answer your question, I wouldn't say that it's unlikely, but I wouldn't say like, oh yeah, I fully expect Patrick to have a breakout season this year in year three. Um, A lot of things kind of have to happen as it relates to his confidence and just like being more aggressive as a player. Um, He's still only 21 years old, right? So it's like, it's hard when you're that age and you're playing with a ton of veterans um, to, to make that sort of jump. It'd be different. I think if he was on a really bad lottery team, you know, like if he was playing for like the Pistons or something like that, then the situation would probably be different because he would probably feel more comfortable in doing that, but not when there's a lot of pressure on him to be on a team that is looking to win now. Um, but I hope I'm wrong. I hope he makes that huge jump. And that is really what catapults the bulls to title contention. That would be incredible. Right. I, I think for Pat, for me, at least, like I know there's some people that want, want to see some kind of huge jump. Um, I don't know how real, I just don't think that's realistic. For right. me, what I would like to see is more solidify himself as a two-way player because, yeah. I mean, I think the perception is that he's a really good defender. He, I mean, he shows flashes, but he still makes a lot of mistakes, especially on the help side. Now, if he can right. really improve that, like solidify himself as like, yes, he's that that backside help defense for uh, for when we're in that drop coverage and he can come in and kind of cover up for uh, any, you know, any backdoor cuts or whatever have you, stuff like that. And then also just be a solid, like a reliable three-point shooter. Because I know right now, he, I mean, his percentage is there, but the volume isn't, right? right. So if he can kind of just become that for sure three and D player this season, and then maybe you see a little bit of creation now and then, uh, maybe him showing some better decision making with his passing. Like I know he has that ability to kind of see the play, but mm-hmm. it's a little bit out of control. Like he maybe passes it behind the player instead of like in the flow of the offense. Um, or and kind of like you know you see the cross court passes that he makes. It's like oh man, that's crazy. That's for a young player to be able to see that and make that pass. It's really great. Uh, maybe we see a little bit more of that, but I think if like for me, like I said, if he can solidify himself as a three and D player this season, I think that makes a huge difference for the Bulls. Yeah. I think, and I think we talked about this before, but if he's just really a star in his own role, then I think that's to me, I think that will be a breakout. Like if he's just yeah. a good, like pretty solid two way player and he's, he's hustling, he's engaged. Like he's showing a little bit of aggression when his number is called, then I would take that, you know, given the makeup of his team. And I think that would be really impactful overall. So um, I I like his chances to be able to put that together this season. Um, And 
you know, maybe every now and then we might see him take on a more high volume role if there were, you know, injuries or, you know, it was a back to back or a bunch of games and a bunch of nights, whatever, whatever. But, you know, I, I think he can definitely, uh, you know, reach that mark this season. Uh, looking at another different player, uh, Kobe White, and with the, you know, with Io, you know, doing what he did last season and the addition of Goran Dragic. And of course we have Caruso, Zach Levine. Uh, there, there's a, there's a little bit of a log jam. Maybe even Dale and Terry. I mean, yeah, even yeah, Dale, sure. So there, there's a lot of players on this team who can play those guard spots now. So Kobe white being mostly a one way player and still being pretty streaky as a shooter overall, there has been a lot of questions about his future on this bulls team going forward. Uh, what do you think about where Kobe White is at at this point in his career? Do you think he doesn't really stand to to play much like in this <laughs> uh, like long jam backcourt? Do you think that uh, it doesn't really seem like he's going to be moved? Like it, I think if he was going to be moved, it, it would have happened by it now. It would have happened then. Yeah, so there's not really much of a trade market for him. So what do you think about Kobe White's situation? I mean- if Lonzo missed his time, yeah, he's going to get minutes. I mean, we're going to need minutes from Kobe if Lonzo is out. Yes, you know, I mean, the Bulls brought in Drogic. He'll act, you know, he actually looked good, like I said, when he was playing in Eurobasket. But if Lonzo misses time, even with Drogic, there's still going to be a need for him. Now, you know, let's say Lonzo comes back, race start the season, or, you know, even only misses like the first five to 10 games. Um, I honestly have a hard time seeing Kobe getting more than 10 to 15 minutes per game, if that. And that's not me saying Kobe is bad and doesn't deserve more minutes or that he's not you know worth that. It's more so the fact, like you said, you look across the Bulls' entire backcourt. It, it's already crowded as it is. I can't see Kobe getting priority minutes over all the other guys. We know that Zach and Lonzo, they're going to be getting the bulk of the minutes anyway. Again, assuming Lonzo is healthy. Last season, both those guys averaged, what, over 35 minutes per game uh, as the starting backcourt. So already there aren't many minutes to spare off the bench. You're not going to prioritize Kobe over Caruso, especially when you need defense. Io is already shown to be a better all-around player, in my opinion, anyway, than Kobe and a smarter decision maker with the ball. And then the Bulls brought in Drogic. They brought him in for a reason, not just to sit him, you know, have him ride the bench out of the rotation. So he's going to get time as the backup point guard, meaning Drogic, not Kobe White. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just don't see Kobe getting many minutes. I mean, as... I'm saying all of this and my thinking about through my head is he even going to crack the rotation on some nights. If everyone is healthy, like I honestly don't know. And I mean, he's going to be a restricted free agent this upcoming off season. Like you were saying that, I mean, I think it's, it's uh, he's not going to get moved because it would have happened already. Clearly there's not much of a trade market for him. Um, so I just really don't know how he fits into the roster. Obviously he could have, he could be one of the players that has a breakout here, right? He looks great in training camp, plays great in preseason. And then maybe he's, you know, the bull starts saying, Oh, we can actually use this guy in, in, in a certain capacity off the bench. Then maybe things change, but based on what we're seeing right now and what we know the backcourt is, I have a hard time seeing how he's going to crack the rotation. Yeah. I, I worry about that because like, I look at what the bulls were trying to do this off season. And there was conversations about them trying to trade Kobe and, mm-hmm. And essentially what they wanted for him was a, it was a draft pick, which it seems like a late first and a young player. And it's like, well, if you value him that highly, so then if you, if you're not going to give him up for just whatever you can get for him and you have all these guards in the backcourt. So you clearly are trying to see if you can build up his value, but how is he going to build up his value if he doesn't get those minutes? 
Um, I, I, I always like, I, I, like my frustrating part about a lot of, a lot of, uh, conversation around young players is people always remember what you've done for me lately. And especially if you're a young player, that's kind of, um, kind of fallen on like the negative side of fandom, Mm -hmm. uh, of, of the fandom, they just completely trash you and you're left for dead in a sense. And people, I always say people forget like from the last week of December and I sound like a, a, like a broken record here, but because I've said this (laughs) so many times, but from the last week of December to essentially end of February, Kobe was legit good. Like he was playing good basketball. There were so many games. I remember saying, you know what? The bulls did not win this game. unless if Kobe, doesn't do what he did. Like he, we saw some progress from him, not only as a, as with a shooting, but even as his decision-making, decision-making, he he was, he was handler. Yeah. Yeah. And his defense too, like his transition defense was like, wow, man, Kobe stopped that play from that, from being an easy two for the other team. Like I remember seeing that so many times and when I, like I'm one of those people that likes to rewatch games too. So like, I remember going back and watching the film on it. And I was like, man, you know, Kobe's making strides. And then obviously the last like three weeks happen. And that's a lot of Bulls fans. That's the last memory they have of Kobe and then going yeah. into the playoffs. But to me, it's like, I'll be kind of frustrated personally if like Goran Dragic is taking minutes away from my Kobe and Io. I personally will be just because like, I feel like Kobe should get a chance. Like, I mean, if he, if he loses his opportunity because he just does not play well, I, I, that's fine. But I feel like if you're going into the season, you're trying to at least assess his value and get him uh, maybe trade him for something or, see if he can still be part of this team. Like it would be a shame to just have him sit on the bench and not get any opportunity at all. And, and honestly, that's what it's looking like. Even like, I know you said if Lonzo doesn't play, but even with Lonzo not playing, it's just so many players in that backboard. Yeah. It just, yeah. it's kind of hard to see how things are going to work out. And last thing I'll say, and I'm kind of rambling because you're talking about the players that, you know, Zach is going to get his minutes, no matter he's, he's the star. He's not going to lose minutes. Um, we talk about, uh, obviously, uh, Alex Russo and at, like for me, Alex Russo needs to play around 30 minutes a game because how important he is to the Bulls, uh, defense, especially schematically, we need his point of attack defense on the perimeter, yeah. uh, to make everything else work. We, we, we see how bad everything gets defensively when guys like Cam and Lonzo are not playing. And then hopefully Io can up his defensive consistency as well. He's already a good defender, but. Um, I think maybe get rid of the rookie mistakes that you kind of saw here and there, but yeah, I, I'm just looking at the, at this thing. And then the promise to promise minutes to Dragic is like, man, I, I'm going to, I think there's going to be a part of me this season that's going to be frustrated with how guys like Kobe and IO's minutes are being structured because of a guy like Goran and we'll see what happens, but. I, I kind of, I kind of went on there for a little no, bit, and, but I just feel like I, it's a, it's a valid point, right? Cause especially when you're talking about trade value, right? How are you going to be able to increase Kobe's trade value when he's just sitting on the bench? Because even, even if, right, you're saying, well, Kobe probably doesn't fit with this roster long-term. He's also going to be a restricted free agent. So it's like, you might as well try to move him to get something rather than just having him leave in free agency. 
you can't do anything about increasing his value if he's just sitting on the bench. And, um, and you're right. There have been times where he's actually looked really great. I still think he does have potential and yeah. he's too good to just be out of the rotation. He is. Yeah. And, and as far as like, you're you know, you're saying like Drogic getting minutes over IO and Kobe. I mean, that's, that's sort of the biggest, not challenge, uh, I guess I would call it a challenge with this Bulls roster is that you're almost on two separate timelines where you're like trying to focus on winning now. So you're wanting to prioritize, you know, veterans, you know, doing their thing to help this team be really good. But at the same time, yeah, you're trying to also develop some of the younger players, but some of them have to be sacrificed, right? So it's like right. you're going to sacrifice minutes to Io and Kobe, who, in my opinion, are better than Drogic, at least at this point in Drogic's career. I agree. But you're also like, well, we need a veteran presence to kind of, you know, be that floor general if Lonzo is not going to be around. It's like, well, how are you going to be able to balance that? when you're operating really on two separate timelines. So I think that's really going to be the hardest thing that the front office is going to have to address over the next like few seasons. And they have to, I mean, it's going to be uh, interesting at the trade deadline for sure, because um, you know, they've, they've essentially for a one year now, they, uh, uh, after the, the really busy off season, they had the year prior they've kind of not been very aggressive. They've kind of become very conservative with the roster and what they want to do with it. And I think at the trade deadline, it's going to be like very eyes are going to be on them. It's like, you have to do something like we need, even, even if the bulls are playing really well, you're going to have to do something where, Hey, we need to make this team. They're playing really well. Let's get them to play great now by making this certain addition. Yeah. So there's going to be something that needs to be done at the trade deadline, one way or another. Yeah, I look at it as I, I think you're right that the when they promised Goran Dragic 20 minutes, I think that was really a tip off to me that Kobe's probably going to be on the back end or just right? out. Yeah, that's a pretty easy yeah. uh, lag there and. uh just the way that they have drafted, when you look at the types of players, when you look at Dalen Terry, when you look at Patrick Williams, when you look at Io, they value these two-way players who can, these athletic two-way players. And Kobe White really is just the complete opposite of that. Yeah. And even though he played, you know, really well, I think, in, you know, those months, as you mentioned, Salim, uh, it, I guess it's really just a matter of, I, I don't know if they really trust him. And I, I just don't think they really know what they can get out of him from night to night. Like if he's not knocking down shots, then it, it's just kind of whatever. But when he is, it's great because then we see how it was like in that playoff game against uh, Milwaukee, when he hit a few shots and really helped spark a run, like it matters, especially for a team like that doesn't really have that level of three point shooting. So it's kind of a, a big spark, but Right now, it just seems like really his value is just pure for purely depth and salary fill if they can find some sort of trade that can help the team down the road. Yeah, no, for sure. And there and there are some trade options that I think would be intriguing uh, if you are able to demonstrate value for Kobe White for some teams that are, you know, maybe more on the rebuilding side, right? They want younger players. Oh, they yeah. want, you know, draft capital assets because the Bulls still do have that Portland pick. Like there's, there's stuff they can do. Uh, I think, you know, the roster is probably set at least to start the season, but like you were saying, Salim, like there's probably going to be something that needs to be done or happens near the trade right. deadline with based on how the team is going in the direction. And boy, I tell you, if, if Portland looks like a solid playoff team, if I'm AK, man, I'm getting on the phone to trade that for value 
like with the quickness because you just don't yeah. want to risk the end of season coming around and all of a sudden Portland misses the playoffs somehow. Yeah. <laughs> like if they're looking like a solid playoff team, look, let's trade this pick. And if you have to attach Kobe to it and that ends up getting you some kind of return that ends up helping them get better, that's great. But sure. I think I think that has to be on the back of AK's mind that the moment that you can trade that Portland pick for value, you should do it immediately. Yeah, for sure. All right, so uh, let's wrap up real quick. Uh, just final question, Jamal, and yeah. let's do this real quick. How many wins do you got the Bulls going this season? <laughs> Man, it's so hard to say. I think uh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna be optimistic because I think Lonzo is gonna be okay. Might not start the season. I still think DeMar is going to be great. I think Zach is going to be back to 100%. I even think that Vucevic is going to have a better season. I think he's going to shoot a little better. I'm going to go optimistic. I'm going to say they win They win 50 games. Mm-hmm. I think I think we could probably see that 50, oh, okay. that 50 game win, oh, which I know is huge. People are going to be like, that would be sweet, man. That would be sweet. I, I'm not people gonna, are gonna, I'm I know, I know some people are going to say you're out of your mind, man. There's no way they're going to be able to do that in the Eastern Conference with how competitive they're doing. But I'm, I'm taking uh, the the optimistic view I'm taking the, everything is going to go not, not maybe necessarily everything is going to go right, but most things are going to go right. And I think it's a good team and 50 wins, I think is attainable. Yeah. I mean, hey, listen, season hasn't started yet. We can be optimistic. We, we, we can, we can like, I know I had, I had my probably one month of just being very annoyed with the off season. And then I started getting Patrick Williams pilled. And I'm just all in on the season going into this season, so um, I'm kind of there with you. As so I don't, I don't know how many wins they'll get. I, I, I'm, I'm a little, uh, I'm a little gun shy on predicting the the win total, but like, I feel like you know it'll be a fun season. I think this team is fun and competitive. They have good players. Um, I think people are probably around the league are underselling the duo of Demar and Zach still. Like yeah. these two at their at their top, like at their game on their when they're on their game, they're all NBA level like guards. So I think that's being underrated. Um, For sure, you know pe- people people. I, I talk about Zach like man, Zach is still underrated. It's, it's bizarre how underrated Zach is still. <laughs> like you know, you you look at a season last year, um, and he technically you can talk about him having a down season compared to the year before. And he still was like, so I, I had tweeted this, but like the, the, his points that he averaged, like his points per game is assists, rebounds, his field goal percentage, his three point percentage, field goal percentage, his true shooting percentage, him and KD, when you consider a baseline of like 20 points, four assists, four rebounds, um, like 47% from the field, 80, 80% from free throw line. Uh, 38% from three and then that 60% two shooting percentage. Him and Kevin Durant were the only players to do that last season. Yeah. And that's what, and that's what Zach having one first half of the season, he had a mess up a thumb and the yeah. second half of the season, his knee, he needed surgery in the off season for it. Yeah. So like, let's stop underrating this guy. He is yeah. a damn star and let's start talking about him being a borderline all NBA player, not, not just, okay, he's good. No, Zach is damn good. And let's keep, let's remember that. Now let's not forget it. He was on track to be all NBA before. hundred percent. hundred percent. If that knee doesn't flare up on him. Yeah. Like the bulls are not, you know, sweating it out about the play in. I think they probably have home court in the first round too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
See, I, I thought you were going to say 45 and I was going to be like, oh, yeah, I think that's optimistic. <laughs> well, what's funny is last year I, I I predicted it would be, I think I said like 45 to 47 wins and thinking that was like that's super optimistic. And then, hey, they fin- I think it was 46 wins that they finished with. Right. And then but obviously that ended up kind of being a disappointment because they were on track to get 50 plus wins. <laughs> and yeah. then, you know, everything kind of went south. But no, man, I'm 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 like I said, I'm, I'm going to be very positive about this, even though if I had to like take a realistic approach, it probably is going to be in that, you know, 45 yeah. to 47 range again. <laughs> hey, it's all good, man. We need the Kool-Aid right now. We need it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Jamal, thank you so much for joining us, man. This was a pleasure uh, talking to you. Uh, you promoted your uh, accounts earlier in the show, but we would love for you to promote it again uh, and just let us know what you've been working on. And yeah, this was a, was a really great time talking to you, man. For sure. Yeah. Bull Central YouTube channel. Go check it out. I try to post daily. If Well, I used to post daily before I had my second kid, but once the season comes back, I'll, I'll be, uh, I'll be uploading more frequently. So. Yeah. Excellent. All right. All right. Salim, you got any final thoughts before we wrap up, man? Yeah. Thanks for, uh, thanks to Jamal for joining us. I'm sure we'll get him back on during the season. Um, uh, this is going to be probably the first of many appearances. On sure. Yeah. Happy to come back. Like, yeah. Uh, Jamal, you're going to have to uh, throw me some ideas uh, in the Bay Area because I'm actually going to San Fran next uh, week. So, Oh, no uh, way. You, you have to give me some idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah you you sure. have to give me some ideas of things I can do that are not like obvious ideas that you can do when you're in that area. Like, right, right, like right. Under the radar that people know about. Uh, shoot me some ideas there. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to going to San Fran next week. Looking forward to seeing how the rest of uh, this offseason, it's not much longer left. Looking forward to when we find out when media day is. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm C red right now. I'm all C red right now until, until I get reason not to be C red. I'm all C red. Right now. <laughs> I love it, man. Yeah. And I'll show, I'll show you some DMS about, you know, what to do in the Bay area for sure. Awesome. Thank you. Appreciate that. All right. All right. All right. Well, that wraps up today's Bulls Gold. As always, you can catch our past shows on the Barroom Network, on Apple, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And we will catch you next time, Bulls fans. Peace.